0: person uh, goes to a gym and he uses his muscles so the muscles become stronger when you're using the neshama muscles of is of, of light and you're adding in activities of light so the nishama gets more activated the muscles of the neshama get stronger and there's more klusht that comes into this world but that's when a person is in yeshiva but then the way Hashem makes it Is that uh, most people have to work at a certain age. And the way Hashem makes it is that most of your day you're not going to be learning Torah. You're not going to be davening most of the day, which means most of the day you're enveloped with darkness, with concealment. Only a small part of your day is learning Torah and davening. So then the question might be, well, that means that the, the muscles of the neshama don't really get a workout. So you can't really expose the neshama because you find yourself in, in the darkness of the world and only a fraction of the day can you devote to Hashem. So a person might make a mistake and say, well, there's a limit to what we could do to expose the neshama because we're working. We have other things that are around our mind. That's what a person might think, but that's wrong. In fact, the way it, Hashem does this deliberately, was Hashem makes it deliberately that a person has to work for Pan Nasser. That's part of Hashem's plan. So it's not a bad thing, it's part of Hashem's plan. So what is Hashem saying to you? You're going to be working most of the day? and uh, you only have a little bit of time every day to learn to, to but that little time that you have if you cash in on that time you maximize that time that has the, the strength to change the whole day that is the strength to to reveal the neshama throughout the entire day so That's only true when the person is working and he doesn't have time to learn, only a little time. That light of learning and davening is powerful. But now try to copy and paste that to someone who's in yeshiva or has more time to learn. Let's say Shabbos. Shabbos, everyone has more time to learn and to daven. So a person will say, just like a working man, with minimal time of learning and davening, that's powerful light. So come Shabbos, I'll do the same thing. I'll only learn for one hour, two hours, whatever, you know, and that's powerful light. But the answer is no. When you have the availability to learn more Torah, then you need to learn more Torah to have that light. When you don't have that availability, you have less time, then that time you do devote to Tefillah and teira. that's powerful for the whole day. But when you have time to learn and you only spend a little time, the same amount of time you spend on the weekdays when you're working, that's how much time you spend on Shabbos or when you have a day off, then it's not enough light. So how could that be? Why is it that when you're working, An hour, two hours of learning Torah, three hours of learning, that's enough light for the whole day. And when you have the chance to learn more, and you learn that same amount, no, it's not enough light. What's the explanation for that? So here we get to an important concept of, of thirst, concept of thirst which also that means that's one concept and another concept of getting light from the darkness two concepts which means like this when a person is working the whole day you only have a little time to learn Tehran and to daven so a yid should have a thirst the thirst means I wish I could spend more time learning and davening. I wish I would. I just can't. And obviously that's what Hashem wants. But I wish I would have more time. Or, in different words, I can't wait for Shabbos. Shabbos will have more time to learn Torah, more time to daven. Or I can't wait for vacation time. No work. I could spend more time learning and davening. So that's a thirst. The thirst means, right now I don't have that much time, but I'm thirsty for more. So when the Nishama has this thirst for more, so then when you spend that hour, or two hours, or three hours, learning Torah and Davening, that's powerful light to shine for the whole day. But if you copy and paste that, on Shabbos, for example, we have more time to learn. And you say, Nah! three hours is enough, two hours is enough because I did that on the weekdays and you told me that's enough light. So I want to use the same thing on Shabbos. No, Shabbos is not going to work. Why not? Because where's your thirst? If you're thirsty, you do more, you learn more. So you're learning without the thirst. Ah, without the thirst, no, it's not going to do the job. Then you have to learn more, Torah. That shows you are really thirsty. And that's going to impact the weekdays also because then it shows that the thirst is real because they're utilizing Shabbos properly or another day off that you get from work. So when it comes to learning Torah and davening, here Hashem says the situation will change from person to person, from uh, year to year, from different occasions day to day, which is different than mitzvahs. Mitzvahs don't change for anyone putting on film doesn't change for anyone keeping Shabbos doesn't change for anyone mitzvahs are all the same the mezuzas are all the same mitzvahs don't change but Torah changes in the sense and davening davening does change it depends who it depends when it depends on the circumstances sometimes Hashem allows a person a lot of Time to learn Torah and Daven. Sometimes he doesn't allow that. So when when this changes, the healthy approach is, when you have less time, you're thirsty for more. That thirst that's invested in your davening and learning Torah that creates enough light for the whole day. But on Shabbos, when you have a day off and you only spend a little amount of time, that's not sufficient. You need more. Okay, that's one concept. That's one concept of a person that's working and doesn't have that much time to learn Torah and davening. But when you learn Torah and you daven with the thirst, that's a powerful light. That's one reason why the darkness of the world won't affect this yet. Because he has powerful light. But there's a second concept. And that's the concept of getting light out of darkness. That's a second concept. You can get light from a flame and you can get light from darkness. Getting light from a flame means you're learning tayinah, you're doing mitzvahs, you're davening. When you engage in those activities, it strengthens the light of your neshama. So you get light through dealing with light. Through doing activities of light that brightens the nishama, that exposes the nishama. So light attracts light. You do light, you do keddusha, you get kedusha. But then there's another type of light. That's from darkness, from concealment. Which means a person is uh, spending time maybe many hours a day working spending a lot of time concealment you don't see Kedusha of Hashem necessarily you see a lot of Teva you see a lot of nature but you do what you're supposed to do in a proper way with the right Kavana the Kavana means you're doing it for the sake of serving Hashem you know that's what Hashem wants So when you do your activities in darkness, let's call it, but you do it for the right sake, so then that darkness itself generates light in your avoidance Hashem. So that's another way of getting light, not from light, but from darkness. Let's take another example. A person eats... Drinks. person does exercise. Okay, eating and drinking could be a dark experience. Meaning, I could forget about Hashem. When we dive in, that's a light experience. Or it's meant to be light. Sometimes we're... uh, we're in the dark in the middle of davening that could happen but davening is made, meant to be light learning Torah is light you're learning the Torah of Hashem that's light learning Torah could also be with with dark glasses you, know, you can learn Torah and not and not really tap in and appreciate the light you can learn Torah and there's darkness there also You know what kind of Torah that is? A Torah that you learn which could be covered up? You know what kind of Torah that is? Uh, Huh?
1: Like like arrogance. Right.
0: Learning for yourself. Right, right, right. right. Torah for himself. You're forgetting about the Kedusha of the Torah. So that's learning Torah. Torah itself is light, but you're covering it up with your dark sunglasses. It's like you're, do, you're doing something the opposite of what Torah is. Torah is all about Hashem. The closer you get to Hashem, what's the rule? The closer you get to Hashem, the more humble you are. That's the rule. And you still learn learning Torah. The more he learns, the more arrogant he becomes. The opposite of the point of Torah. President could learn Torah, even if it's not about being arrogant, but he forgets that this is the Kiddush of Hashem. So there's darkness there. You know, learning Torah is a an extremely enjoyable experience when you learn Torah the right way. Extremely enjoyable, especially if someone really exerts their mind. Learning Gemara is very intellectual, very enjoyable. So you could enjoy learning Torah, and guess what? You forget. The Torah is one thing with Hashem you could forget about the Kiddush of the Torah so you could be learning Torah which is really light essentially but you could do it in a dark way that's why we say the birchas of Torah every morning the Bruch of Shabbos we say the Bruchus of Torah every morning for this reason to remind us that we're learning the, the, the Torah, which is, which is Hashem's Torah. That's why the law is you can't learn Torah before you say, Torah. Because learning Torah is, 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 is an exercise of light. Likewise, doing mitzvahs. Mitzvahs is light. But you could also forget about that light. You could cover up on that light. A person could do a mitzvah and not even think about the mitzvah. A person could put on tefillin and not think about the tefillin. And the most dangerous mitzvah, which means where there could really be concealment, the most dangerous mitzvah is which mitzvah? Which is the most dangerous mitzvah in the sense that it could be concealment? Purav? Huh? Purav, purav. Okay. That, that, yeah, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another mitzvah. Not very important. Uh, nah, yeah. That's total. We spoke about that. But I'm talking about oh, a mitzvah. Another mitzvah. Oh. Tzedakah? Tzedakah, That's
1: right. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah, it's stuck. Why white stuck, huh? You stuck out because
0: you want honor. You want. Oh, that's right. 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 That's the danger of stuck The danger of stuck is that uh, you know you want everyone to know. Tefillin is not so dangerous. Who's going to show off about tefillin? No one's going to show off. You just put in tefillin. But tzedakah, you want to make sure there's a plaque and you want to make sure everyone knows about it. There's a danger.
1: should not the rabbi want it to be publicized? Oh, mm. oh, very good
0: point, very good point. See, we're discussing now that when a yid learns Torah, Torah in essence is light, but it could be done in a dark way. Uh, mitzvahs in essence are light, but uh, using an example of tzedakah, it could be done in, in a dark way. Now, question number one, if a person is learning Torah the wrong way or giving tzedakah the wrong way, should the person say, okay, I'm stopping. I'm not doing it anymore. I don't want to learn Torah the wrong way. I'm not going to learn Torah. I don't give tzedakah the wrong way. I'm becoming more arrogant. I'm stopping. Should a person stop?
1: No. Why not? Sages even said, even if somebody studies Torah, eventually it would come. Right, right.
0: that's Right. Right.
1: There's a mitzvah of learning Torah.
0: So learn Torah. There's another mitzvah that says, do it the right way. But I'm not doing it the right way. Okay? So that mitzvah, you're, lo- you're losing out. But don't lose out in the midst of learning. There's mitzvah to give tzedakah. There's a mitzvah to give it the right way. Okay? So personally i I'm not doing it the right way. So you're missing that mitzvah. But don't miss the mitzvah of tzedakah. Continue doing that. That's one point. Another point is that um, when it comes to, uh, let's say, learning Torah, let's use that example, and likewise, Stucker, we'll start with Torah. If a person really connects to Torah, you really connect to Torah. You're fully engaged in Torah. You have a relationship with Torah. That means something to you. Now one of the tests of knowing how connected you are to Torah is by answering the following question. How many more people did you share your learning Torah with? How many people did you encourage to learn Torah? That's like a test question. If you really have a relationship with Torah, you want others to learn Torah also, not just you. If you're just involved in your learning Torah, something is missing in the relationship. Mm-hmm. In oh, same thing as mitzvahs. Same point. If you really are doing the mitzvah, if you're connecting the mitzvah, you want others to do it. So um, when a person gives his tzedakah, If you're giving tzedakah, could generate that other people should give tzedakah, then that's a big mitzvah. So if you publicize, if they, you know, it's publicized, and others will be maybe jealous or they'll want to emulate, that's a good thing. That's positive. Now, maybe the person's doing it for the wrong reason, true. That could be. But part of the mitzvah of tzedakah is that there should be more tzedakah in the world. I think, uh, I didn't uh, see statistics on this, but this is what I noticed. You know, it says in Shochanot that before davening, she gives tzedakah. So before shaches, people give tzedakah, before mincha, you give tzedakah. Now, uh, what happens, I mean, I've seen it. Tell me if you've seen it. Sometimes you see a person goes and gives money in shul, tzedakah. And all of a sudden, other people start following. It's like people reminding themselves. You ever saw that? I saw it a lot of times. Or we go to and all of a sudden, I see a whole bunch of other people. Okay? So a mitzvah attracts another mitzvah, not just by itself, but other people also. Mitzvah would a mitzvah. Right? Right. Right? Okay, so so a person could be learning Torah, and there's darkness, they'll learn Torah anyway. But the right way of learning Torah is doing it for the right way, for the right reason. Giving tzedakah is a mitzvah. Tzedakah is light, but it, you could do it in a dark way. Keep on doing it anyway, but it's better to do tzedakah the right way. And if you do on the right way and tzedakah the right way, so that exposes more of your neshama. So that's getting light from light. The light of the neshama is lit through the light of Torah and the light of mitzvahs and the light of davening. But there's another way of lighting the Nishama from the darkness. So taking the example of, of eating, eating, uh, sleeping, uh, drinking, working, doing exercise, these are all activities which by definition is concealment. Although the a person eats You don't see Hashem in the eating. When you're davening, you see Hashem. You're talking to Hashem. It's all about Hashem. When you're learning Torah, it takes more work to realize it's the Torah of Hashem. But you're engaged in activity which is essentially all about Hashem. It's the Torah of Hashem. So you're engaged in activity of light. But when you're eating, by definition, that's darkness. Darkness means I don't see Hashem here. Now there's different degrees of darkness. I don't see Hashem. That's one level. It gets worse than that. It could get worse than that. What's worse? I'm enjoying the food. The reason I'm eating is to enjoy the food. Okay? So that's two levels of darkness. Number one, the food itself is, is dark. Where do you see Hashem in the food? Number two, not only don't you see Hashem... You're eating for the sake of enjoyment. You could eat for the sake of enjoyment. That's even worse. Because now you're really forgetting about Hashem. Now you're really involved with yourself. So eating is darkness. But on the other hand, if a person eats the right way, you say before, after, and you eat for the sake of serving Hashem. So then, and then you actually serve Hashem. How are you going to serve Hashem? With the energy of the food. So then something happens. That food, which by definition is darkness, suddenly got transformed into light. And there's a certain light which comes from the food which will help you in Torah and Mitzvahs. It's going to bring you more light in Torah and Mitzvahs. So that's an example of getting light from darkness. And likewise when it comes to working. Working by definition is darkness. But if you do it the right way, then the darkness gets transformed into light. You could get light from the darkness and that will help you in serving Hashem. Like the, we were
1: learning in Parshish Korach that, um, the, the, maimor or the seichah the rebbe gave, based on one that his father-in-law uh, had from the um, verse, 66 I think in Tehillim, on he keeps our feet from stumbling, um, and how we learned exactly that that Korach th- knew that you could access Hashem so to speak in the okay. in the physical, but, right. the, but the rebbe revealed that. It's actually indirectly through not just doing it itself, but by, like you said, doing a bracha and, right. and having the... Um, That's right. For That's the right. purpose, uh, l'shim shemayin. That's right.
0: Now, what we just spoke about, just two ways of getting light. One is from light and one is from darkness. The one from darkness, uh, let's use now the terminology that Kabbalah uses of this concept of getting light from the darkness. The terminology Kabbalah uses is the word nitzaytzehs. Nitzaytzehs means sparks, sparks of holiness. In Kabbalah it says that in Gashmias, there's, there's nitzaytzehs, there's sparks. In everything there's sparks of holiness. But in gashmius there's very lofty sparks But the problem is, it's concealed in the Gashmias, those sparks. And those sparks are waiting to be exposed and revealed and activated. So therefore, when a person takes, for example, food, and he eats it the right way, so that spark of holiness that's in the food, when you eat it the right way, gets activated, and it gives the person more energy to connect to Hashem, so that's that's the concept of getting light from the darkness. So, in other words, the Yit has two ways of 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 reaching the light, of activating the light of the neshama, connecting to light. One is through light: learn Torah, do mitzvahs, and daven. Have avos do activities of light, and the light of the neshama will shine. But there's another way. The other way is, when there's darkness, such as eating, and things like that, you could transform that into light and get those sparks which will help you serve Hashem even better and deeper. I mentioned the example of sleeping also. Okay, sleeping is a gewaltic union. It's a tremendous union. In certain ways it's better than... uh, eating and uh, eating and drinking in certain ways it's an advantage in sleeping even though some people overdo it but but you know there's no danger sleeping the good news of sleeping is like how do you trend? sleeping is darkness okay sleeping is not light it's darkness Unintended. yeah it's darkness because because you're not serving hashem when you're sleeping That's without getting into dreams, but just just, the know sometimes when you're sleeping. Tzadikim are different, by the way. Tzadikim are different. When Tzadikim sleep, they're serving Hashem. Their Neshama reaches higher states of being, of connection to Hashem. But that's Tzadikim. Regular people, sleeping is concealment. But in a certain way, sleeping, if you do it the right way, carries an advantage over eating the right way or, or drinking the right way. What's the advantage? And advantage is that you sleep every day, let's say, whatever, seven hours, eight hours every day you sleep. You, We have the ability to take that sleep and make it holy. How? How do you make your sleep holy? I can understand how you can make your food holy. How do you make your food holy? You say, eat for the right sake. Okay, you make it holy. You got light.
1: How do you make your sleep holy? By you, by you. ...getting sleep so that you can serve... Oh, right, right. ...to be rested and... Right, right. You go to sleep the right way for the
0: right purpose. And before you go to sleep, you say... You, ...you sleep the right way. When you go to sleep the right way, then those seven, eight hours of sleeping all of a sudden are transformed from darkness to light. So the amount of time or effort you invest and what you get... You know, you get much more than you invest. You only invested, let's say, 10 minutes of going to sleep the right way. And you get for the deal, look at this deal. You get seven, eight hours. It's a great deal. So imagine like a third of your of life is sleeping or whatever it is, whatever percentage, right? You could take that. The, so, so if you look at your whole life, how many years are, are, are invested in sleeping, if we sleep the right way all the sleeping all these hours could be transformed to kadusha okay so in summary we discussed that there's two ways of getting light one is from light and one is from darkness so when a yid is in yeshiva and you're learning taylor the whole day you're getting light from light from taylor from mitzvah from daming that's light but when a person leaves yeshiva, a you know, person gets married, he goes to work, most of the day is working. So, yeah, but the time that you dominant and learn, that's light, and we spoke about that's, that's powerful light, that's with thirst, that, that, that's a powerful light, we spoke about that. But besides that, there's a second concept where the darkness turns into light, where the sparks of holiness of your work can be now accessed and utilized to serving Hashem in a deeper way. So that's getting light from darkness. Okay, so uh, that's the general concept.
1: That's What's the verse from uh, King Solomon about something, me, me something? It's like, if you can reread it where it's like from darkness, the greater, greater light. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, so getting back to the neshama of a yid, so when you're dealing with most of the parts of the neshama, if you want to activate your neshama, there's different ways of doing it, to activate different parts of the neshama, which we had spoken about, how do you activate the nefesh, the ruach, the neshama, Yisugat Chaya. But now we get to yichida. Yichida is the deepest part of the neshama. So how do you activate the Yechida? That's a very complicated question. How do you activate the Yechida? It's much easier to discuss nefesh, guach, neshama. How do you activate each of those? That's easier. But how do you activate yechida? So, often, a is activated through darkness. But not your regular darkness. Like we spoke about eating is darkness. You could transform it to light. Working is darkness. You could transform it to light. But, but to activate the Yechida, that comes from not just darkness, but a double darkness, a real darkness. Okay, like dark a dark, you know, it's like really going deep into darkness. So the, the darkness we're talking about is the concept called Nisoyinus. Nisoyinus. Singular is nisayon, nisayon, and the plural is nisayonis, nisayonot. (laughs) Okay, nisayon means test, test, nisayonot are tests. So there are times when Hashem tests a yid, nisayon. Now, we don't want to be tested. And every morning we dive into Hashem, please don't give me a test. We don't want to have tests. But sometimes Hashem does test us. And the reason Hashem gives us tests is for us to overcome the test, succeed. And when we succeed, we have excessive amount of of light, of Kedusha. So that's called avoid this ha the avoid of tests. Avoid nisiyonis. So through nesioinus tests, that activates the yechidushebha neshama. The test activates the neshama. So these two types of darknesses that we spoke about, the regular darkness and this double darkness, so the second one is nesioinus tests, and there's avoidus in the Now, avoid do we do in tests? Then there's the other avoid of the regular darkness, the darkness of, of food, of work, and things like that. That has a different name. That's called avoidus habirurim. Avoidus habirurim. Birurim means clarification, refinement. We spoke before about the sparks of holiness and gashmius. So our avoid is birurim. To clarify the nitzaytus, to activate those sparks of holiness in the Gashmias. that's called avoidus habirurim. When a person eats l'shem shomayim, for the sake of heaven, he's doing the avoid of birurim. Biru means he's clarifying and separating and elevating the spark of holiness. So most of our avoida is avoidus habirurim, but then there's avoidus hanisyonus. And avoid of av overcoming tests. That's something else. That's not the same as birorem. Test is a whole different dimension. So when it comes to avoid the we could get light from darkness. But when it comes to nesionness, when we succeed in the nesion, then we could activate the yechidish of the the deepest part of the neshamma. What is the avoid the um, sabirurim activating?
1: Because it would seem if you're really doing, like you, you know, you're eating for a purpose, you're you're sleeping for a purpose, etc., that would be that would have that would be having access to the Yechida, in a way, like if you're really doing it because. It Th- that's it's more the
0: connected word. to chaya. That creates really? more chaya, right? Mm. is through is through nisiones. That's yichida. So let's talk about uh, about nisiones. Let's talk about that. Hashem tests us. So you have Nisionus collectively for all the Jewish people in different generations they were Nisionus. There were generations where the Yiddim were confronted with two options. Either they reject Judaism, they bow down to idolatry, or they'll <coughs> be killed. You have the the expulsions that took place in Portugal and Spain, different places. In Europe and other places. It was like very, very dangerous times, very dark times. Our history, for the most part, is very dark. And there were many Nisioinus, collective Nisioinus, who either were given an option. Either you reject Judaism or else or else they'll be killed or expelled or, or, or other things. So the Yidin, for the most part, for the most part, they succeeded in the tests and they, they remained strong in their attachment to Hashem. So that was in the Salyan, that was a test, and they succeeded. When they succeeded, the Yechid of the Nishama gets activated. Mesiras Nefesh is from Yechida. And when Yidin had these Nisiyonis, these tests, they had to have Mesiras Nefesh. That's Yechida. That activates the Yechida. It comes from Yechida and it activates the Yechida. So from darkness, double darkness of Nisiyonis, that activates the Yechida. Now this is collective Nisiyonis for all the Yidin. But then there's the individual Nisiyonis. So, an example of a Nesayan is for some people uh, keeping Shabbos is a Nesayan. People never kept Shabbos and they're learning about Judaism. They have a store that's open on Shabbos and they have a test, they have a sign. Should they close the store or leave it open on Shabbos? They have a test on Nesayan and that's a very difficult test. Ninety percent of the business is on Saturday. How do you close the store on Shabbos? It doesn't mean you're going to lose your whole thing. That's a test. And the test gets worse. Sometimes. Because this, this person started getting closer to Judaism and he's sending his children to Jewish school. And there's tuition costs. So now look at the store now. He's going to close the store in Chavez. What happens next? His kids can't go to school. So he has to keep the store open for a Shabbos. So what does he do? That's an assignment, that's a test. It's a very difficult test. And many didn't succeeded. They made the decision at Shabbos. They reached a certain amount. But it took Masih Ras Nefesh, we're gonna keep the store closed on Shabbos. It wasn't, that easy. It's a very difficult test. For someone that's already from, he's already religious, this is not a test at all. It's, like, it's not a test at all. For a full year, keeping the focus <clears throat> on Shabbos is not even a test because, like, like what else? It's not, like, you're not even thinking twice about it. But for someone that didn't keep Shabbos and is starting to keep Shabbos, this is a very difficult test. And this was a test in Russia during the communist time. You know, not to work on Shabbos was a terrible test. You had to work on Shabbos. And if they caught you not working, it was very dangerous. And likewise, in those days, in the United States, it was also a test on Shabbos, keeping Shabbos. This was during the Depression, you know, 100 years ago. About was The, the economy was terrible, and if you wanted to find a job, in those days, they, you, know, you had to work on Saturday also. Not, not because they were against the Jews, but you had to. And if you didn't work on Shabbos, they would fire you. So in those days, it was a big test to keep Shabbos. That's a Nisayan, It's a very difficult thing. But if you pass the test, then you activate the Yechidah Sheben Neshama. So from the dark of the dark, very often that's where the Yechidah is activated. Okay, what's your question?
1: (laughs) I'd say considering somebody who, or regardless of how we categorize somebody, couldn't somebody's real n- nis, avoidus nisonius, n- nison, nisonius be through like a uh, avoidus habrurium? Like let's say somebody like somebody has a real test of like an addiction to a let's say a a, a substance, not necessarily a substance, even just any type of food, through their you know refining refining of how they approach it, that could be their real test. Uh, that could be,
0: yeah, it's yeah. possible, yeah. Now, this concept that we spoke about today, that you could get light from light, and you could get light from darkness, and you get even more light from the double darkness, this is the secret of Gaul's. This is the inner concept of what exile is about. Which means like this. We've been in galus for almost two thousand years, and how do we understand galus? What's exile about? Now, galus means we're in the wrong situation; we're not where we belong. We belong in a ba- in a place where there's a base, a We belong where there's a Jewish king, where there's a Mashiach. We belong in the situation of Gula, that's where we belong. It belongs to Gula, to redemption. We don't belong in Galos. Galos is not our territory, it's not where we belong. Galos is darkness, we don't belong there. But the fact is Hashem did put us in Galos, we are in Galos. So why are we in Galos? So you have the basic explanation and you have the deeper explanation. The basic explanation is because we sinned, therefore we're in Galos. Like we say in our prayers, in the festivals, because we sinned, we were exiled. So exile is a punishment. We sinned, so we're in exile. It's a punishment. And what are we, what are we meant to do next? Tshuva. Shuva means get rid of those sins. And then we have gula. That's the basic formula of Galas. It was caused by sins. It's a punishment. You do chuva, you get out of gallus. That's the basic formula. But digging deeper into gallus, there's something else taking place in Gallus. During Gaulus, the Yechida of the yin gets exposed. That's gallus. The Yechida, the deepest part of the neshama, before Galus, when there's a base of Mikdash, the Yechida doesn't get exposed. Or very little. Why not? Because it's light. And when there's light, so there's light. The light parts of the Neshama are shining. Nefesh, Gurch, Neshama, you know. But not Yachida. Yachida is something else. With his light, that's not the conducive situation for Yechidah to shine. Doesn't mean it can't shine, but that's not conducive. Golos is the conducive situation for Yechidah to shine. And what, happened, what happens if on, on, uh, before gallus there were also not? That's true. That's true. They want not. But a different type of Nesiyon. There's different types of Nesiyonot. Now you could have not when you have a based on migdash, and you have miracles taking place, and then there's a Nisayin. I try to imagine a tzaddik has an yeah, a Nisayin. Yeah, tzaddik can also have an Nisayin. true, sure, it's hard. It's true. But then imagine not a tzaddik, a regular person has a Nisayin. It's a different type of Nisayin. It could be more difficult. So it's true there were Nisayiners. And and that when a guys has a nesion, it does activate his yichud to a certain extent. But the nesioness of regular people are more severe in many ways. The nesioness of gods are more severe, <coughs> especially generation after generation, where where most people don't remember the of amidah, at least remembering in the sense of appreciating it. Some people are comfortable in golas. because we've been in golas so long that we, we think that this is a natural place. It's just natural. And Then we think, uh, Gula, oh, that's a miracle. Gula is a miracle. Some people have that feeling, Gula, that's like unnatural. Gulla is here. This is natural. Gola is not natural. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Gohola is natural. For a year, Gola makes sense. That's where we belong. That's us. Golas is unnatural. But Golas is a darkness. You could forget about that. You could really think that, you know, this is it. This is life. So the tests that we have during Golas, in certain ways, are more severe. Than when there was the Beis Emigdash. It's it's more difficult. So Gitan throughout history in Gaulus went on Messirus Nefesh. They died for the sake of Hashem. Dying for the sake of Hashem is the deepest level of connection to Hashem. Like the Rambam says that those that die like it is Hashem, their reward, their place of holiness is, is, is uh, you can't compete with. There's something special. Because the Yechidah was activated. That's the deepest part of the Neshama. Or another way of saying this is, when does the real Jew come out? The real Yid, when is it exposed? In Ghalus. That's the real Yid. Because when it's impossible, when it's difficult, when it's so challenging, and yet we're still a Yid. Oh, that's a Yid. No. When you feel that the uh, the the is activated, the activated um, it's like a
1: moment of, inspira- of inspiration, or it's like a constant uh, momentum, or like what do you what do you feel with okay. That's a good
0: question. Like a permeating. It, it could be either way. There could be just a moment of yichidah, and then. The effects you don't necessarily see, or it could be an ongoing experience, to one extent or another. It's like the yiddin that won communist Russia. By then, Messias Nevs was twenty-four-seven. It was all the time. Okay, in America, you know, you know, nowadays in the free world, it could be in different ways. It could be just a moment of yichidin. It could be more yichidin see very often about chuva not always very often about chuva to become about Tshuva had to activate the Yechidah. not every time but very often and and, and that's good to activate the Yechidah. but then some people continue activating it and some people now it's already activated it was done once now now it's over no uh, so my saying like like making a feed that Pablo is living a life of Mr. Aznafesh, correct? I just want to make sure I understand that. Right. Activating is like you're, you're displaying the Mr. Aznafish. So would our goal be to, my understanding from the Rebbe is that he explained that Abraham Avinu like, lived the life of Mr. Aznafesh, right? Compared to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, right? So is, is, is Rabbi Avinu's avoid the, like, our goal where we like 24 seven live Mr. Aznafish? like? If, Right. Now, now, living with Silas Nefesh doesn't mean thinking about dying for Hashem. That's not what i Living Nefesh means that, that a person realizes that our reality is really Hashem. That's our reality. We are one thing with Hashem. A yid is one thing with Hashem. We're children of Hashem. We're one thing with Hashem. And because we're one thing of Hashem, so everything we do is different. Now that recognition is as nefesh. That's in its essence, that's what it is. That's right, that's right, that's right. So ordinarily, Yechidah is revealed through concealment, but there's different levels of concealment. So we have enough concealment, so we, our job is to activate the Yechidah. That's the secret of Galas. But since we already activated it, so now Meshich is ready to come. So Hashem should help at this... Shabbos should be yontuv. And I think it's going to be two-day yontuv. It's going to be Shabbos and Sunday. It's going to be two-day yontuv. You know why I'm saying that? Shabbos and Sunday.
1: It's, um, it's a, um, right,
0: because a, um, Shabbos is the Seventh-day of Tammuz, And the fast is pushed off for Sunday. So when Moshiach comes, it says that all these festivals, will t- all these days will turn into days of mourning, will be transformed into days of joy. So, just about to be David Jones, it's going to be Yantuf. But since we were supposed to fast on Sunday, so Sunday will also be Yantuf this year. So, I'm pretty sure this year, Sheikh is going to come, we're going to have two days Yantuf. This Shabbos and Sunday. Two days Yantuf. But like two days
1: Pesach, two, two days Yantuf. Okay. Stop <laughs>